What's it been now? Like 20 years since we've talked about quarterbacks coming to Pittsburgh, looking at young quarterbacks. That's part of the countless pluses of having a franchise guy like Ben Roethlisberger. But it also means we're terribly out of practice at this sort of thing. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates. You ever notice I, I stumble on the good Wednesday morning? I can never remember what day it is. It's such a hitch. And I swear I include the day of the week in the intro to this show just so that I can remind myself of what day it is, presuming I get it correct. For the Steelers to get it correct in this upcoming draft, if one wants to assume that they'll be looking at quarterbacks, they're going to have to have every shred of information that's available to them, up to and including having living, breathing humans standing on the sideline, watching quarterbacks, watching them interact with each other, with teammates. You might recall the story that Mike Tomlin told after drafting Alex Highsmith about how impressed they were with Highsmith's approach to a special teams drill in one of those pre-draft workouts that he didn't see himself as being above that, that he just had a motor that wouldn't stop no matter what the drill was. That's something they wouldn't have gotten from a piece of paper, something they wouldn't have gotten from video. So there they were, all of the Steelers' brass, and then some. It was Art Rooney, Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Mike Sullivan, every person who could possibly have been able to offer some input, and Art Rooney, with all due respect, who's not exactly a trained football evaluator, were there in Mobile, Alabama for the first of the week's Senior Bowl practices. That's the beginning of the meat market for quarterbacks in particular, which is why Pitt's Kenny Pickett was there, along with five others trying to make a name for themselves. I don't have a ton of use for this sort of thing. I'm way more in the Mike Hilton school of evaluating football players. Hilton, for anybody who doesn't know, was just a dud at his combine. Couldn't do anything exceptionally well. But all Hilton's been able to do from his very first camp in Latrobe is make plays. He's still doing that for the Bengals, and he'll be in the Super Bowl starting in a handful of days. Hilton used to yell out for Tomlin during drills in Latrobe, too small, too small, like right after he'd make a play. And Tomlin, to his credit, would yell back with equal humor, too small. Do more. And <laughs> he just keep making plays. But in Pickett's case, in the quarterback's case, you're also talking about a multi 
gazillion dollar business. Quarterbacks in and of themselves are an industry within the industry. They cost so much. The scope of the investment is akin to building a new stadium. If you're talking about some of the top-end contracts in the NFL, quarter of a million dollars, it's not guaranteed money, but a lot of it is guaranteed money, and it's a massive risk. And teams want to, and understandably, protect their investments, make sure they're getting the right guy, and make sure they're not wasting their owner's money. And in this case, the owner went down there to watch for himself. But how much meat marketing is too much? This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. Pickett spoke with reporters in Mobile yesterday, and not surprisingly, it was brought up to him the possibility that the Steelers could draft him, and this was his reaction on that front. Um, so the, the possibility of you know getting drafted there would be really unbelievable. Pit, Pittsburgh is really my second home, so... Um, you know, that that would be kind of a dream, you know, that started once I got recruited to Pitt and maybe at the next level, so we'll see what happens. Good for him. That's a terrific answer. It's not going overboard. It's not being uh, presumptive or cocky or anything like that, and he's not like that. He's not like that. This is a good kid who, you know, for anybody who's paid attention to his time at Pitt, he arrived with kind of high expectations, but even as recently as a couple of years ago was seen as a big uncertainty. He's the one who cemented his status. He's the one that elevated the program along with wide receiver Jordan Addison and got the Panthers the ACC championship. He is a good football player, and yet the subject yesterday was all about his hand size. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, The ideal size of an NFL quarterback's hand, for a bunch of reasons, you just use some common sense, it's a real thing, is larger than nine inches. Pickett is, and this was right out of an NFL.com story. I'm Reading you this quote verbatim, quote, said to have small hands. (laughs) Like, said to? It's like, in the land of yore. Like, what is that? He apparently does not have nine-inch hands. He made the decision to not have his hands measured in Mobile because he wants to do some exercises to get his hands to the most accurate measurement. Now, as if all of this didn't already sound preposterous enough, these exercises do exist. One explanation for Kenny Pickett's hand size is that his thumb is double-jointed and therefore doesn't allow for a proper measurement. 
But a small hand is a small hand, and you would think that it would be something that would be kind of tough to grow. How do you grow your hand? Well, this technique does exist, or multiple techniques, where there's some kind of massaging that does something to, I don't know if it's stretch a finger, I don't know if you get put into traction or your hand goes into traction or whatever it is, but there was a player who had this issue a couple of years ago and thought it was really going to hurt him by the time they got to the big combine in Indianapolis that he had all these exercises done and his hand grew by three quarters of an inch. Look at your hand right now and picture your hand growing by three quarters of an inch. I don't want to know what they had to do to make that happen. And I actually don't want my quarterback of the future feeling like he needs to go through whatever that is. You know, what do you do, like have a pat bus ride over your hand? Another quarterback, by the way, had a similar issue a couple of years ago. Was told his hands were too small. Joked about it. Openly joked about it. Said, coming right out of college, that he was, quote, considering retirement because the football is going to be slipping out of my tiny hands, end quote. That quarterback was at LSU, and that quarterback will be starting for the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Let's worry about how well they play football. When we come back, just one question. J1Q, and that comes today from Mike. You believe that Mike Munchak could return to the Steelers? That would be a dream, but he also went out to Denver to be closer to family. There's no way he comes back. I think besides, Mike Tomlin would actually have to know his number since he's not down the hall. That's very good. For anybody who doesn't know, there was a reliable report out of Denver yesterday that the Broncos are going to move on from Munchak as the offensive line coach because he might not fit in with the new coaching staff they brought in. This strikes me as spectacularly stupid. I mean, work with the talent you've got when you've got talent in-house. Not everybody has to be a perfect fit. However, the Broncos' issues notwithstanding – if, in fact, Munchak becomes available and the Steelers aren't at the forefront, and by the forefront, I'm talking about his doorstep with flowers, then there's something even more wrong with their process for hiring the best coaches than what we already know. There is no one at any level of the organization who would dispute Munchak's excellence in working with the offensive line when he was here. Sure, he had studs. He had horses. It's always going to be easier to coach up Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Ramon Foster, etc. But those guys will tell you passionately, and they have all told me passionately, 
that Coach Munch, as they would call him, was an enormous part of what allowed them not only to succeed individually, but to succeed as a group, as a unit. The things he showed them were things that they had never known before, even after they'd become veterans at the top level. Munchak is, more than anything, a teacher, an instructor. There can't possibly be a better fit for this opening, and, you know, to my understanding, it is an opening, right? Then Mike Munchak, I look at some of the Steelers' offensive linemen, the young guys, and I wonder why they weren't able to succeed higher level, even as rookies, when I see what they can do physically. You want a perfect example? It's Kevin Dotson. Remember when Dotson first broke into the starting lineup? This was two seasons ago now. Those five games that he filled in for Matt Filer. Dude, he was knocking people 30 yards downfield. I mean, I'm, I'm going over the top here, but he was just a force. And it was through brute strength. I see some similarities in that sense with Dan Moore. Moore is not quite like that, but Moore is a specimen. Chooks is a house. Chooks of Korafor. He is a tower of a human being. I believe that there's enough clay at hand that if you brought in someone of this stature, you could have a leaps and bounds improvement without even adding personnel. That said, I would obviously advocate for continuing to add personnel possibly even out of the first round of the draft. But adding Munch, there's no cap. There's no cap on what you can spend on coaches. Here's what you do. You go to Munch and you say, here, here's my checkbook. This is Art Rooney. Here's my checkbook. You write down what you feel is a fair figure, and then you come back to Pittsburgh and you work for the Steelers. That's it. That's it. There's no cap. I never see this confirmed in any form, but you hear and read occasionally that the Steelers are either believed to be or thought to be one of the teams that spends the least amount of money on their coaching staffs. And I'm not really sure what to make of that. I don't know if it's just because of the whole uh, everybody's got to be promoted from within, and as a result, it's never going to cost as much as if you get into some kind of bidding war or whatever. Make an exception to whichever has kept you from going to the outside. He's not even really from the outside. He was here. And he was a big, big hit here. And it felt devastating when he was lost. Open checkbook. Hope that answers the question, Mike. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we will do another one tomorrow.